This week's episode is brought to you by the fact that right now, as of this recording, the Avs are the president's trophy leaders. How about that? Safe to say this top line is the best in the league. Yeah, we are. Racing and shoots and scores! Nathan McKinnon! And after 22 years, Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into Burgundy Radio for April 5th, 2021. Happy Easter, if it was, in fact, Easter weekend to you. And for the rest of us, happy Monday. Coming up on the show, the Colorado Avalanche polished off their homestand with four wins out of four. McKinnon remembers where the back of the net is, and which Avs prospects have signed their ELCs. But before we start hollering about their future, let's say hi to the disembodied voices with me today. Hello, as always, to Erlo6. Hello, friends. And hello, as always, to Jackie. Bonjour. And, uh... Minor apologies in advance if we get dog noise on this show. My uh, my neighbors are having a noisy cookout, and I'm I'm very pro noisy cookouts, but my dogs are not. On Monday, the Abs have a silly one-off game against the freaking Anaheim Ducks. Outshoot them forty-eight to fifteen. Holy cow! Win five to two. Five different Avalanche forwards score. That's Miko Rantanen and Tyson Jost, Gabriel Landis, Kondraty Comfort, Valerie Nachushkin is their names. Three assists for Kale McCarr for good measure. Ducks didn't seem to have much interest in competing in this game, but they did get twice as many penalty minutes as they did shots on goal. So well done there, suckers. I've been trying to remember this game, and I really can't. (laughs) The four games Uh, a week doesn't help. You're just drinking for some of them. (laughs) But... um, I do. What I do remember my takeaway from this game was that McCarr was really on it. He was really beast mode, and the three assists were well earned by him. Yeah, that and so gets that, laughing. That's good to see. Gets laughing belly getting together a bunch of times. What was that about? I just. You hey, know. I'm old. You're old. Let's square up. Exactly. Okay, now that I think about it, this was the game where. Uh, Anaheim was being really cheap. It's funny, usually yeah. when you think of a team starting like cheap and goon it up, maybe they're hitting a little late or a little Or the refs were just letting everything go and it just got but out of hand. <laughs> this was weird yeah. it was like a lot of stick things. It was a lot of stick fouls and slashing and cross checks and and stuff like that, which usually, I don't know, teams usually don't get away with that because stick fouls are easier to point out i guess and this is where especially Michelle when they're broken after you break it over <laughs> yeah. someone's head yeah this is when they slashed miko's elbow and it looked like for half a period like he he really could have an injury from it but i guess he finally shook it off and he was fine so and that is what i remember from this game it was just strange it was strange that they were allowed to get away with that kind of stuff and well, I mean, in the ref's defense, it. too, it's like it, the penalty balance was so uneven anyway. It, it it was really hard to call more. You know, it's like you're giving the, the ducks a message and they're not getting it. And it's like, what do you do? Start start <laughs> chucking guys? I don't know. You, yeah, start throwing guys out. Yeah, so. well, I mean. Th- <laughs> if they finally did. And they did, yes. Because some duck plug was like, okay, Nazem Kadri, we're fighting now. And Kadri was just like, <laughs> no. Uh, no. <laughs> that was the guy from like two weeks ago that didn't appreciate whatever Nas did. So mm-hmm. 
Yeah, this also felt like a game of like uh, these two teams have played each other too much lately. And I believe there's only one game left, and then we're finally no two because we do go yeah. to Anaheim. So there's two more of these wonderful games coming up this week, and then we're finally done with the Ducks. But it's just like, yeah, it, it was frustrating from that extent. Like Dabs were dominating on the ice, but we we have to watch that crap. All these cross checks and hacks and whacks. It's it's just ugly. It, Ugly way to play, I think. It's just dumb. Well, I said this on yeah. Twitter, and I'll say it again. That if Anaheim has so little interest in playing hockey as they did in that game, I vote that we oblige them and cancel the rest of their games. That way no one has yeah. to watch them. No, and it's like they have plenty to do that doesn't involve like trying to play fake tough with the rest of the team. It's like they have you know some nice young players. That yeah, it's you know you're not gonna have that much success anyway, but you know it's like they could be focusing on that or you know just trying to get better in general. But you know, I guess Degris pretty much has to stay on the taxi squad because they don't want to go over his 27 games, which is the which it's not even games played, just games on the roster, which is like one right one year to free agency. So he's he's played 19. I'm sure he's been on the roster for a few more. So. It's just crap like that. You're right. They should be focusing on... They can have Drysdale there and Zegris, and they have some good young players. Like, Comtois is probably one of their best forwards this year, which should be pretty exciting for them, but apparently yeah. they are not focusing on that. Nope. Right. No, I just... It, you just really got to wonder about that. And it's like, we have... I mean, I hate Dallas Eakins as a coach. I think he's terrible, and I, I think he's definitely you know, part of the reason that we see this every time we play, um, you know, and, and it's just, it's gotta be tough if you're an Anaheim fan, you know, for, for zillions of reasons, but especially this. But it, it's funny. It's like, he got that job because he did a nice job with, with San Diego in the AHL with all these young guys. And it's like, they were supposed to come up with him and, and grow yeah. the organization, all that blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, he just doesn't really care. Like, you haven't seen really, like, Terry and Steele and some of these other guys really blossom once they got to the NHL because you're right. Like, he just, it was all a ruse or something. Although, if you only ever watch Anaheim games against Colorado, you can be forgiven for thinking that Troy Terry is a superstar. <laughs> he likes he playing, playing in Denver. In Denver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... We're almost done with that scum-ass team, thank goodness. Um, but yeah, not quite. Very close. Um, speaking of teams that we have seen too much of on Wednesday, <laughs> the, the team Nathan McKinnon says it feels like they've played 20 times or something, the Arizona Coyotes come to town and got run out of the building immediately. 5-2 to two Avs the score after one period. 9-3 your <laughs> final. A sub-eight-minute hat-trick for Jonas Donskoy. Definitely a good spot on the speedrun.com leaderboard for that one. Landis Gog and Andre Burakovsky both got two. Rantanen and P.E. Belmar won a piece. Nathan McKinnon got a misconduct and a fine for accidentally on purpose beating Connor Garland in the general upper chest and chin region with his own helmet. What a wacky game. This this yeah. definitely was. it. This certainly, if, if the Ducks felt like these two teams have seen each other too much, Arizona and Colorado certainly have. It's yeah. just... 
the abs I mean, are you, so you, much you... better. And even though they Arizona won that shootout game the other week, uh, it's just it's time. <laughs> yeah, and it's you know we, we embarrassed them in the playoffs last year, and that you know that plus playing them a million times in division, you know that's just made it tiresome. Um, but I, I really I, I liked the that first period just just schooling him so bad and it was the first game with with fans in the stands you know they weren't paying fans it was the first responders and and whatnot night um you know and the guys seem to really feed off that it, it's a great narrative i don't know how true it is but it you know it really did seem like that was the case well it it is fun to come out to a lead like that but that that early also creates so much garbage time it's just yeah, I mean, we were in garbage time with 12 minutes left in the first, and you know the refs started calling penalties on the Avs left and right, and I, I, I hated it, but it just I don't know what else they could do to manage the game. Um, you know, it just it's like makes it, for a terrible game no matter yeah. what. Like you don't have to manage the game; like you could do nothing. That's an option. I I see. I don't. I think if they do nothing, it really devolves into. You know the the Anaheim game again. Oh, then you and... call penalties yeah. when they happen. But like this, this may be one of the worst officiated weeks of hockey I've ever watched. It's been real bad, yeah. Uh, and it's been super random. It's it's you could say it has been random if there weren't patterns. There's yeah. definitely patterns. Um, and and one of them has been Colorado are off to a nice lead. And now they've taken. Now they've had the puck the whole time with the lead, but suddenly they've taken three penalties in a row. <laughs> right. That's kind of weird. Yeah. None of them are delayed. None of them are puck over the glass. None of them are too many men. So what? None of them are GI. Well, one of them's GI. Dude, Naz, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. But that wasn't in the Arizona game. The Arizona nah. game was was kind of a party, but yeah, it was also kind of just garbage time for like most of the game. So. Really don't know and how much you can take out of it. Yeah, again, I'm... it was nice to see them jump out to a lead because a lot of the blowouts the Abs have had have been sort of like late game blowouts, which you know you'll take a blowout no matter what. But it was closer than maybe it seemed if you just glanced at the box score. This was just domination from the beginning, but then it just leaves a lot of ugly, sloppy hockey. And then when Arizona got the second one, I think it made it five to two. You were starting to wonder a little bit. You know, if they get another power play, this team can score three goals pretty quickly. They've done it. We've seen them do it. Would they let it slip away? But no, they're just so much better than Arizona that yeah. they just worked it out. <laughs> it's just it's really just no competition. And so it's uh, too bad that that series, season series isn't over yet either because it's pretty clear that we're all wasting our time here. <laughs> but it is interesting that they I believe they still are currently in the fourth playoff spot so you know we're not talking about a team that's down there with Anaheim in the standings that they do have something to play for yeah the Coyotes are in the hunt they the, do the Kings are even technically in the hunt the Blues are now find themselves from playoff spot to in the hunt it's really just Colorado Vegas and Minnesota waiting to see who will be that team number four yeah, and San Jose's still in the hunt too. I mean, they're basically tied with the Blues, so I'll I'll believe that uh, when it gets to you know April twenty fifth. Well, it's, it's just they're they're going in direct opposite directions. 
it makes the division interesting, but it's nice that we're not in that mix. <laughs> we can just kind of <laughs> look at it from afar. Yeah. I mean, if you're handicapping that race, like for me, I, I mean, I like goal differential as sort of a predictor of, of not even a predictor, but just sort of an indicator of how a team's doing. And the Kings have the best goal differential. They just can't score. You know, they've been getting really good goaltending. They play pretty solid defense. Um, they just can't score. Um, and the rest of the teams all have minus double digit goal differentials. And, you know, the, the Sharks have that because they started out terrible and, and have played better lately. Um, so, I, you I would know, say... I, I would rather see Los Angeles. I think they're the most deserving team. They just, they they need to find an element they don't currently have. They're the most interesting I think I'd like sure. to see Arizona. I'd personally like to see Arizona. I don't know, just because they'd be easiest to beat, but <laughs> I don't know. They're different than all these other teams. They're they're different than the all the California. I don't know. It's Sometimes they're rootable, but it's probably going to be St. Louis, even though they play almost nah. the rest of their schedule against Vegas, Minnesota, and us. So yeah, they're in trouble. They're done. They're they're done. And then they just gave I Jordan mean, Bennington six million dollars for six years. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I was looking at the stats, and and Bennington actually did a fairly good job in the first game. <clears throat> there yet? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I guess contract hadn't even kicked in yet. Yeah. Do we need to say anything about the helmet toss? It was funny. It, it was. It was. Ryan Kessler liked it, or Kevin Bieksa liked it. I mean, I guess we can laugh because there's no injury, right? Like, if there was an injury, would you feel yeah, if different you, about if it? If you break his nose with the helmet, then obviously it's a different situation than if you hit him in the chest with it. I mean, he didn't wind up with a fast pitch softball toss there. I mean, he just literally tossed it right in his belly button. It's a little, little higher than his belly button. Well, he's only five foot four, but, so yeah. But, but I mean, no, it, it wasn't. He didn't heave it, but he also didn't just like lightly lift it in that direction either. That had a, had a little bit of hop to it. Yeah, I think a fine was appropriate because yeah, you don't. You got to say that that's not acceptable, but it right. Just... And after you gave five grand to Mickey D for destroying Kotkaniemi's face the night before, I mean, that's. You couldn't go past that, that's for sure. I, I saw what not. Garland said about it, and he's just like, well, in the 93 game, you know, what What do you have to be so mad about? Like, he, he wasn't. Garland wasn't really complaint. He could have complained more, but that was just kind of his thought. And it was like, you don't know McKinnon then because. That dude's mad all the time. It, the Avs won nine to three, and Nathan McKinnon got zero goals. He's pissed. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say that the only time McKinnon is not mad is like ten minutes after he scored. He scored a goal. Then he's pretty chill. Nathan McKinnon Other thinks that, that game should have been eighteen to three, and he should have had nine goals of his own. Yeah. And the only and reason that he didn't was it because of Connor Garland specifically. So here's your hat back, asshole. <laughs> plus you play him physical he gets mad that's that's the way it works yeah that's i mean Goligoski just work. destroyed him going through the middle of our zone and stuff like that i mean he was getting you know he's getting tossed around a little bit that shift was awesome like after Goligoski 
destroyed him. He goes and he hits three different guys <laughs> before he leaves the ice. It was awesome. <laughs> he was mad. Of course, nobody's getting more physical abuse on the ice than Miko Rantanen right now, who has a... I would agree with that. Hooking, yeah. slashing, holding, water skiing, just about every shift at this point. Yeah. he we, He's gotten a lot of, like, sort of roundabout half comparisons to elements of Peter Forsberg's game throughout his career. Like, like no one's trying to compare him to, oh, that's there's Peter Forsberg out there. But it's like, oh, there's a thing that's Forsbergian. Um, that is very familiar to me. Like, hmm, Miko Rantanen has yeah. the puck, and there's three defenders literally hanging physically off of him. That looks familiar. And it might be just because he's easier to catch than Mac is, so he's just easier to, to do things like that, too. Or he's enormous. <laughs> yeah, if you have to pick... <laughs> If you have to pick one of those two to grab, it's not McKinnon. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, we, we bring our exquisitely offici- officiated week to Friday. Uh, the St. Louis Blues come to Denver for a back-to-back, and Colorado roll into game one with Jay Jonas Johansson in that. Oh, boy. He lets in a not-very-good first shot to Mark Hoffman. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And then makes 25 saves. On the way to a 3-2 victory, that second goal against comes on the power play. Nathan McKinnon gets two on the board in this one, and Brandon Saad scores as well. This game, like the one before it, since it was close going into the third, not like the one before it, this was played under purge rules for the final frame while the leading team had the puck. And nobody knows that (laughs) better than JT Comfer. Um, But if the leading team does something that looks like a penalty, now that's getting called. Funny how that keeps yeah. happening. Then finally on Saturday, these two teams play a crunchy one and the Avs come out on top again, thanks to Kale McCarr in the final minute. 2-1 your final. Nathan McKinnon and Ryan O'Reilly, your other goal scorers in this game, so only Avalanche drafted players were allowed. We can focus more on the first game, probably, because the second game was just really hard to put eyes on. Uh, O'Reilly also had an assist on the game-winning goal last <laughs> night. Did he? <laughs> that was a good turnover. Yes, it was. He... <laughs> He was trying to get the puck out of the zone, but he just kind of passed it right to Makar, and then he made the magic happen. Didn't even notice that's who it was. Well, he also did the whole, all my fault, and I need to be better, you know, kind of typical <laughs> O'Reilly. Oh, feel. I'm not engaging in Avalanche postgame. Why am I going to engage in Blues postgame? Oh, I, I don't go looking for it either. That was retweeted by somebody i don't know but no i don't i don't have time for that that's for sure no. but um i wanted to see because this is the opponent that had been so long since the abs had played right and played them since the first weekend of, of the season so they failed to show up been... and then they beat the crap out of them yeah. right so it's a really tough you couldn't get a handle on how the abs were going to match up against neither them. of those games were both teams competitive at the first at the same time so it's no. like this was really the, the first series where we were going to get a, a, an honest glance and what did and, we learn it, well, i don't know i think it confirmed that for me that the blues do certain things that have always been a little bit difficult for the avs and i think that continued and they were two close games so the first game was what 3 to 2 in the third period the avs held on and then we know the second game was 1-1 until the last 40 seconds and McCarr won it. 
So that did come to fruition, kind of what I expected, even with the Blues having won only like two or three of their last 10 games or something like that. They played better than you would expect based on how they've been doing lately. So, I mean, they were desperate. I mean, you know, they they basically yeah. needed to win those two games to stay ahead of Arizona, and they did not. And and like you, I think uh, both of you had even mentioned at one point that the Blues were pretty much playing for overtime that entire third period last night because they just a point so desperately that they yeah. they would t- just taken that. So. I think in hindsight, it's more satisfying that they found a way to stay in these games and then ultimately won it, even though I agree, especially in last night's game, it was a slog to watch. It just was a a lack of execution, especially early on. I think if you look at the natural stat trick chart, it was fairly even, maybe even slightly slanted towards the blues for the first half of the game. And then at the second half, the abs just started chipping away and they just started climbing up and up and up. And then in the third period, I specifically remember that the abs were really good at, they had the puck more, like even though the blues were trying to turtle, trying to get it to overtime, it was about 10 minutes left in the third is when the abs didn't just say, okay, we'll do that too. They really started pressing and, and then that reminds me of the first game that even though we had the one goal lead, we didn't turtle and then we were pushing, which that's like a huge difference from the years past because, you know, the whole turtle thing and the whole 10 minute PK and all that has been such a, you know, such a hallmark of abs hockey. And that seems to be something that they've changed. Yeah, that's something that I that I also noticed. <clears throat> in addition to the the whole oh St. Louis are playing for overtime already thing, um, in in the first game, the one that, that they they won three to two, when it was not three to two yet, it was still three to one. Like St. Louis couldn't exit their own zone. And Colorado had the puck, and that was all there was to it. And it was like it was like watching the Bad Abs against the Stanley Cup winning Los Angeles Kings of years past, when. You just you're behind against the Kings and you've lost. There's just nothing you can do, um, and that's an element yeah. to the game that Colorado has never really had until this year. It's interesting, and this is I'm not trying to rag on JoJo here, but you know a lot of the players remarked on you know what they were able to do with Grubauer in that instead is that they were able to press a little bit more. They they didn't feel like they had to just go into the offensive zone and cycle and you know, keep the puck as far away from their net as possible. It was the implied statement. Um, sure. But, I, I could see that a goal, goalie playing that well gives your whole team confidence. Yeah. And, and it, you know, again, I'm, I'm not, you know, this, you would do that with most backups is, is, you know, you're, you're trying to play a little bit more defensively in the offensive zone. Um, but they pushed yeah, that still, third period too, though. Oh yeah. They, first oh game. boy, did they? Yeah, I mean, they outshot them what, like eighteen to three or something. Uh, it was a bunch um, to not very much. Yeah, <laughs> it was ridiculous. Um, but that's, you know, that that's sort of what we've, you know, that is the turtle now. That that's how they turtle is by just doing the L.A. Kings sitting in the offensive zone and just cycling and shooting the puck and retrieving and cycling and just, you know, you can't that, leave the zone. Yeah, that's great. 
Yeah, instead of sitting in our zone doing that, we're doing it in their zone. And that's, you know, if, if that's how you turtle, that's a great way to do it. I do want to say that I was happy for JoJo to get that win. I mean, of course, yeah. we're always happy to get the win. But honestly, though, I the guy's been through so much and he did well, what he had to do. That smile that he had when Landy hugged him and, and <laughs> NHL.com had a great shot of it. Yeah. You know, it's like you could feel the burden of being in the Sabres organization for seven years being lifted off the young man's chest. Um, and he, he did enough. Know, I mean, I mean it, he it's not like he locked necessarily was the one that locked it down, but he made a yeah. couple good saves and, right. and got the win. And it's and not it, like Frank has never let in a screamer in the first couple shots either. So it's like that's just sort of, you know, that happens. Yeah, and I don't fault him on the four on three. That a good player, they get paid to. If they get a look on a four on three, they're going to score on it. So, and uh, PK probably hasn't been as good against the Blues. I really didn't like it in the second game, even though they technically did not get scored on. But they couldn't get it clear. And St. Louis is too good at holding the blue line taking a shot and then everyone just goes for full chaos in front of the net. Like that's the St. Louis blues offense strategy pretty much. Yeah. And I noticed the abs give Tarasenko an open look, like one of the two things happened. Yeah. I I noticed my, one of my least favorite things is the, the abs PK starting to collapse a lot um, during the both blues games, actually. And it's not like the blues have a good power play. I mean, it's like their power play is is in in the mid twenties, I believe. So and that's rank in the NHL, not effectiveness. Um, so, I, you know, I, I hate when I see the guys collapsing like that because it's like when they're good, when the PK is actually being effective, you know, it's, they're not aggressive, but they're not passive. Um, you know, it's like they're they're well, putting they need pressure at, on the points and stuff like that. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's tough to clear on on St. Louis. They they really do make. Make it difficult to get it out of the zone, but I don't know. I mean, it's like you you look at film, you see what they do. You know, it's like maybe you have to punt it a totally different way to do that, but it just, you know, you just got to figure it out. Well, the penalty kill deserves attention because it remains like the Avalanche's main weak point right now is you'd, you'd take a penalty and the power play is not likely to beat you. It might, but it's not likely to. And then you get the even-up call to get your own power play, and the Avs PK stinks. Its its results are really, really good, because Grubauer has been really, really good. Yeah. Well, I like when they pressure and they get clears. I think they've been good, like with Jost and O'Connor, and Graves actually is really good at, at clearing, but... When those things don't happen and they get stuck in the zone, they are not a good static defense penalty kill. Yeah, we saw a lot of this, the same things that tend to go wrong, like like Belmare not being able to get to the puck, um, Comfort, Comfort letting the not Royal, doing anything. Yeah, Comfort letting the passes go right through them and stuff like that. And you know, it's like when when those things happen, that that PK is really ineffective. It, I mean, it really, a lot of it has to do with which personnel is on the ice, too. Because when you have um, Nachushkin and, and Tyson Jost, um, they're, they're both very effective at that pressure game. Um, even when Donskoy kills, 
penalty. He's effective in that pressure forechecking game. It's some of those yeah. other names that you mentioned that don't seem able to figure out whether their stick should currently be in the shooting lane or the passing lane and getting consistently abused for it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, with O'Connor out, you know, you, you definitely saw a little bit of what he brings to the, the PK because it was it was missing. Yeah, that's something that we should mention. Logan O'Connor is out week to week with, I don't know. It's either LBI uh, or, or UBI. We're not sure. No, Bednar even actually said like a muscle strain. Like he even uttered descriptive But he didn't say words. where the muscle was. Well, I think they said lower. So. <laughs> but someone that, else said UBI. Uh, whoever said UBI was probably guessing. <laughs> no, he definitely said it might lower. have been altitude. <laughs> okay, well, I'm pretty sure the team has said lower body, and then yeah, Bednar actually said muscle strain. So probably going five million miles an hour. He gave out on him, which is too bad. I really do feel like he found a role and and elevated the team. And it it's interesting they were so quick to kind of admit it. Like they even put him on IR as well. Which I know they had to, which we'll get to that, but like they could have put Calvert on IR. So yeah, too, and it's, it's like bad. you basic, you, you you know we they, there were two guys that basically uh, found themselves in the lineup newly. Um, like Sherwood got one game, you know you can call that it. He was in for Nachushkin. He was very ineffective, and that's really disappointing because he really did start out well in the early part of the season, but he's just, you know, he's not generating anything. And, you know, he he, you know, he was definitely a fifth wheel on that line with, with Jost and, and Donnie still there. Yeah, his early season was very much, you know, fine. And yeah. this, this stint has been, he played. Yeah. Well, no he had idea. a couple games after the after the COVID shutdown, and yeah. he he did not play a lot in the, in those. And you know, maybe he was still getting his conditioning back or something. But and then also seeing him in this game probably says, yeah, maybe the clock struck midnight on the whole miracle find there. Yeah. Probably. Well, and it's weird too because all right. Down in, you know, down with the Eagles. I mean, he, you know, he he is a shot generation machine down there as well. Um, but it's just it's not translating anymore, uh, and it's just you know you got to realize that because it's like if that's if that's one of the main reasons you want him in the lineup is that you know he's been very effective in in Loveland at generating shots and picking up some points here and there. Um, you know that that's just something he doesn't seem to be able to do anymore. So. You know, yeah, turn, turn to other means with with O'Connor out, and then also Nachushkin missed a game with uh, that that left room for another forward to come up, and they didn't go with Tynan, they didn't go with he who shall not be played, they went with Liam O'Brien, and we'll tell you who that uh, is. Big tuna. We'll tell you who that is <laughs> in a minute. Um, first of all, I want to ask you all after these two Blues games, is Nathan McKinnon back? You know, I don't know. There was something about the Blues that he needed to play to get him going, but I just, I, I felt like, it's and I scratched toss. him last week. I felt like he just wasn't 
he wasn't himself. Not that I expect three points a night dominance, but he was frustrated. But those goals he scored in, in the last two games against the Blues, those are like Nathan McKinnon goals. So I hope so. Yeah. Maybe he was just bored. Maybe no, he's it... tired of playing the same teams over and over again. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, it just it seems like the, the helmet toss thing since then, <laughs> he's been on a mission. Well, if that did it too... <clears throat> whatever whatever it's um he definitely had a good weekend i'll put it that way and and he he does have a million points but but maybe maybe jb sat him down and said look if you're gonna be that guy and we're gonna lean on your star treatment to make sure that it's just you know a a, a haha fine well let's see some pucks go in the net and nate said i can do that yeah and he did that so maybe that's what happened i don't know um, but it, it's not like he was ever like gone. Like he, he's definitely is a player who tries to do too much. Sometimes he has hit a lot of posts this season. Um, this, this has trouble passing to his teammates. Yeah. He, he, but we also know he has that, that third gear beyond what other players have, where he can just flip a switch and take the game over. We saw him do it in the playoffs many, many times. And that isn't even really what happened against the blues. He just, was better yeah yeah it, and i don't expect to see that sort of third level or third gear whatever you want to call it front because i don't think anybody can just play at like that all the time it's something that you hopefully can get to every once in a while and hopefully the playoffs and i think mccarr has it too like that boy can get pissed off too and he can really i don't know just Pull things out of thin air. Yeah, I wanted so to talk it's about great that they can do that, but that's not like my every night expectation either. Definitely not. But I wanted to talk no. about Kale McCarr too because he sure seems back. He had a goal and four assists this week, despite somehow coming out of the Arizona game with no points at all. Uh, that gives him twenty four points in twenty five games this season, and the whole top line is above a point a game. And McCarr just right behind him. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I thought in the Anaheim game he was really really good and then um and then certainly what he was able to do at the end of the blues game like he is just such a special unique player that like we all appreciate him he gets hype and everything i just almost feel like that special quality he has is almost still a bit unknown which sounds kind of crazy but i just think the more of those little moments that he piles up just just will really define who he is. It's anything he can do to get attention on himself because he doesn't, if he plays in Colorado, there's not a lot of attention here and most, and most of what there is goes straight to Nathan McKinnon. But if, if you're going to decide, okay, I've, they've got this ridiculously good defender. I'm, I vote for hockey trophies. So I should probably at least spend 20 minutes pointing my face at a Kale McCarr game to see if he deserves a Norris vote. Because you've heard his name because he just had a game-winning goal and he's scoring all these points. And now all of a sudden you see him do these other things, like when he breaks up two-on-ones with ease, single-handedly. Um, like, there's a lot of those small things that, that happen in Kale McCarr's game that you, you if you're not looking for them, you may not notice that it's him every single time. Yeah. Just how he can move with the puck, too. Like you just have to see it. You just have to see what he could do to mess up the other team like they just have no idea what to do when you have a defenseman that can move like that and not like the other defensemen the abs have are slugs you know but it's just like when 
when Makar has the puck and he can just move laterally like that, it's uh, I don't know what you do. We're gonna we're gonna come back to slug defenders, but I don't want to leave Earl in the dust here because kind of talked over him. No, I was just gonna say like, and and he's he his personality is it's so interesting. Like in his press conference last night, you know, he he still basically said that it was Miko's goal, probably. <laughs> um, or, you know, he, he, he said that he's pretty sure that it hit, hit a teammate, you know, he's like, oh, shucks, you know, I just threw it at the net and when, it, you know, we, we got the game and that's, you know, that's, that's why we're here. And, uh, you know, that's just such a, I, I mean, I know it's common in hockey and stuff like that, but it, I mean, he's very genuine about it. Um, he has know, an interesting just... personality because right. Is it that sort of wholesomeness that everyone says is genuine, but he has this undercurrent of wit and yeah. he's the kind of guy that can get away with it too. Like he will throw down jokes that maybe other guys wouldn't get away with. Like when he said, when they got goalied by Gibson and they asked him, what could you guys have done better? And he said, not hit the post or something like that. <laughs> like yeah. not everyone could necessarily get away with the comment like that, but he and... can, cause he has this, cause he's a, Established that he's like this humble guy, but then he had—you could tell he's very intelligent, and he has these witty, witty little moments, which makes him even that more interesting. Yeah, I, you know, I, I hate to make a NASCAR reference here, but he—he he reminds me personality-wise of Matt Kenseth. Um, now, you're got, gonna have to explain uh, who that is for the people. <laughs> he's a NASCAR champion. He's basically I don't I haven't watched in years but he, he's retired now as far as I know um but he just he was you know your all shucks midwestern kind of kid and just had the best dry wit like he would say things on camera <laughs> and the interviewer wasn't sure like if he was should be laughing or what you know and it's he just had you know a, a very good wit about him but very dry and very humble that's pretty much my car. Even though I'm waiting to see yeah. just truly how humble this guy is, if he's going to hold out or not, but that's for another lifetime. <laughs> yeah, that's a... <laughs> that, that is definitely a conversation for a different show. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm not able to access the site from my computer right now, and my phone doesn't seem to want to load it, so I don't have the numbers right in front of me. Um, but... Oh, maybe here it's going to go. Yeah, okay. Um, so last night... No, this isn't worth it. So last night, Dan Nuff barely played. No, uh, he sure did. It's like um, five minutes. If you were looking for time on ice, is that what you were trying to... Yeah. Clean? I think it was 5.13 or 5.18, something like that. And I want to say that's more than he played Friday. Yeah, it Correct. is. So yes. that ship is rapidly sailing. It has sailed, yeah. in fact. And and you wonder, like, I, I I mean, I think Renouf has done a, a decent job. And it's like when you're playing teams like Anaheim and Arizona, it's a lot easier to play them more. Um, it, it, do, it doesn't seem like what the Blues were doing was something Bednar was comfortable having him play against. Well, um, okay. If we're... There's a few things to unpack here. It's... Um... That's low. I mean, for a defenseman, that's exceptionally low. Yeah. Like, five is low for a forward, but for a defenseman. I mean, it wasn't like 
and I think he actually had better shifts later in the game than earlier in the in both games. But you have to plan to play a guy that that little. At like, that point, you're basically to, playing a whole back to back with five D. You, if they had him three well, shifts it, in the first period. Usually, when a guy plays that little, you maybe had like six in the first period, and then and then maybe like one and one after that. But it was like they planned to pretty much not play him. Is what I'm trying to get at. And maybe he didn't give them a reason to increase that, but when you play a guy that little, it's not an accident. And and also, like I, I think McDonald, you know, has obviously played a lot better than Renuff, and he wasn't getting much time this weekend either. Like I think he only well, played ten minutes last night. And I don't remember what it was in in Friday's game. It was probably, I'm sure it was more because ten is also fairly low for a defenseman. Um, but I st- I don't feel like that they are souring on McDonald. I think he's earned quite a bit more rope. So one factor in this is, are they planning for Byram's return, right? So, like, they weren't even interested in giving, let's say, Renuff any sort of role. It's like, if you know that you're not going to keep playing him, then why bother? Is kind of how Bednar operates, so... I would expect that we see Byron this week. I don't know if it's going to be Monday, but my tea leaf reading is that they're being super cautious with him, but he's going to play soon. So if you know that he's coming back and Byron generally plays between 16 and 18 minutes, almost all at even strength, that's a fairly decent sized role. So then why even bother like working these guys up? But well, McDonald's a different situation. Like McDonald and O'Connor have earned. If we're talking about who has done like a good, like a, a real good job, it's them. The other AHLers, they've they've held up, but don't confuse tryhard with ability and a few hits with ability. Like they're still warm bodies. So it's been a busy week in Avalanche Land, and not just because of four games either. Um, earlier this week, the team just kind of started signing people. Uh, first up were Keaton Middleton, who got two years at about league minimum, and Liam O'Brien, who got the same for one year. He'll be Group 6 UFA this summer. Those are both Eagles guys picking up NHL contracts, and since we've already mentioned O'Brien, you know they didn't just give these guys NHL deals to languish on the taxi squad. Tell the people what to expect from those two deals and what it means, but keep in mind we do still need time for the prospects who sign DLCs before we get out of here. I I think what they want to do is they, I think they've seen Vegas's fourth line and they're kind of jealous of it or, or they'd like to have something like that. Um, you know, putting O'Brien in there gives them a little bit of grit, little sandpaper. He'll punch people. Um, I I don't think he was so out of his element that he was a detriment to the team in in the Blues games. Um, you know, it's it, it's not something that I'd like to see. I I don't like to. I don't like the attitude that you need that kind of fourth line. Um, well, one thing but, is, is like, is the team just so good that nobody's really been a detriment? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's an easy way to look at it, but I, I do think the, the key is, is sort of what Reeves and the, the guy that, that Steph doesn't like us to say and call us our. Vegas 28. Vegas 28 
what those guys do for Vegas, I think that's something that the Avs look at and they're like, that's that's what we're missing. And I, and you we know, I, I hope I'm wrong that, there. Well, we had this discussion but, last week. It was like, are they tough enough? And, and this and that. And I think what I was trying to say is it's about them just sticking together and pushing back. And Bednar had said that several times this week. He said it on his yeah, radio show. And I think that's also a little bit why McKinnon, even though McKinnon just does things in the moment, but if if you're telling everyone like fight back and don't take it, some of those things end up happening. And I don't know. It's insane to me to think that you're now first in your division and you've just decided that you have to do something to chase what another team does. Like, you can't be everything. You can't be tough and fast and skilled and et cetera, et cetera. Like you, you have to pick what you're good at and stay in that lane. So if they seriously sat around and came to the conclusion they need a face puncher, I think that's really silly. Yeah, that would it be is, and especially- bad. Well, and especially when we saw how effective that the fourth line and its iteration of being uh, Belmare between Comfer and O'Connor, you know, that's a quick, um, you know, even though Belmar's on the line, that that's a quick line. Um, they were they were very effective even against Vegas and and, and their fourth line. Um, so I mean, I I do think that's a valid strategy. I don't think you need to have guys that are out there. You know, and they to, took three, to three, out of, three out of four points against Vegas, and they lost it right. overtime. Like, if they got beat down twice in a row because all these fourth liners were scaring the talent, <clears throat> but they, like, won. <laughs> they won the battle, so why do you need to copy what they do? I, I yeah. don't know. It, to me, if, if that was... A, I'm not going to say it was zero factor, but I even can't believe that it was the main factor. But I, here's why I really think they signed him. They, and this is probably me being delusional, but this was their depth move. Like after that Vegas series, they had decided they don't need rental bullshit. That they were going to get another forward. They were going to get another defenseman for depth numbers. And that's why they signed them, like at the same time too. There's your free agency hashtag, by the way. Rental bullshit. Yes. I, now, I mean, I can I say that about O'Brien, but like Middleton makes okay. no sense to me right. whatsoever. And my all right, my take on Middleton is that there was another team that was thinking about signing no, him to an no, NHL no. deal. No, 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 no. Like, when the transaction first appeared and it was released from SPC, I thought they cut him. That's how bad he is. I thought they had decided they were cutting him from the Eagles. Goodbye. And not even, like, a delusional hope. Like, oh, okay, this is the end of the line. There is no way. Uh, They play him first, first pair of minutes, so, I mean... So they play who, all those guys. For, for for people who know nothing about the AHL team, please tell us who Keaton Middleton is because this was the first time I've heard his name. He's big. He was drafted he's by the Leafs and then went out. He wasn't signed and then went out west and played for I guess San Jose for a while. Um, yeah. 
<clears throat> he's a big dummy. He fights. Uh, he's not very good defensively. He has little puck skill. Um, I'd say just, none. He's yeah. He's rough to watch. I mean, uh, in I'm, in like thirteen <clears throat> games, he had one point. And it was minus twelve. Right. And it's like when you've got Learnout who has one shot on goal in 10 games, like, yeah, okay, he looks pretty good compared to him, but... I mean, like, Tishke's better, and that guy was in the ECHL last year. Right. It's just... The only way it makes sense is they want somebody to sit on the taxi squad and do nothing. Yeah, I mean, I hope that's what it is. And you need to have an initial contract for that. Like, there is no possible... Well, it is because of his age. Is it's an Which ELC. Guy? Yeah. Oh. Because of his age. Like, I'm sure the guy's happy and his family's happy that he finally has an NHL contract and some money, and that's great, but he they Avs should never be in a position to ever play him. No. And when you're on the taxi squad, and especially when you go on the road, you are living with the people you've brought. Like you do not you cannot make changes. So for the next four games. The guys that are with the team, those are your options. So that's a little scary that that Middleton is even potentially an option. But that's I the will only say he's reason. better than Burroughs. Like I'd be more fine <laughs> with seeing Middleton on the Avs than Burroughs. I don't. So I don't know. Maybe that. maybe they're just like Burroughs is so bad. We've got to have a better tenth defenseman or whatever he is. Yeah, well, Connor Timmons is right there. Well, you know, he's a prospect though, so Is he? Well we'll get we'll get we'll get to that because that needs to be its own little rant. But like O'Brien, you could I at least get he at least has NHL games. He's someone that Benar is allegedly familiar with from when he played in the AHL back then. He's he from Halifax. Face. Yeah, he's from Halifax. Like I get it to that extent. But he looks exactly like JT Comfort. <laughs> the, I don't know. It's not, it, they have the exact same beard shape and color. That's as far as it goes. They're, they're, they're both white guys whose beards look exactly the same. Yeah. But when you have a guy that didn't even have an initial contract at the beginning of the week, and he's the guy that you're playing. Now, of course, this was before O'Connor got hurt, but he was on, he was on the taxi squad. Like, they signed him, and he was there. Yeah, that's an important distinction. And they signed him before O'Connor got hurt. Yeah. Right. And so maybe they weren't even playing. I, I'm sure they were not going to scratch O'Connor or anything. So even if they were dying to play their new face puncher, they need an injury to do so. So at least the guy has had an NHL contract. Middleton has not even come within a whisper of the NHL before. Yeah. So he to give even him make the NHL... Leafs gong show. So to give him an NHL contract is just ludicrous. And we are getting, you know, the Avs started the year with like 40 contracts, no big deal. They are getting up to it. Okay. <laughs> Here's another reason why this could be what they're doing at the deadline is because they are pretty close to no flexibility now. How many, because they how many contracts is it now? They're at forty-eight now. Forty-eight. That's a that's a pretty high number. Um, yeah, and th- a good that number. In- that includes those two. Um, it also includes two new prospects who inked their ELCs this week, 
And they're quarantining now to join the AHL Eagles. Let's start with Alex Newhook, since folks are most likely to be familiar with that name. Uh, How was Newhook's NCAA season? What can Avs fans expect from him in pro hockey? And other similar questions. Yeah, he had a really weird NCAA season. He only played 12 games. Part of it was because of the World Juniors, and then he came back from World Juniors basically with an injury, and then by the end of the year, Boston College was only playing like once a weekend, and then they flamed out in both the conference tournament and the NCAA tournament, so he only played 12 games. Uh, He did everything. He's quick. He reminds me of Duchesne. If people aren't familiar with him at all, haven't been able to watch Boston College, I think he's a lot like Duchesne. So he, he's sort of that build. He skates. He, he's just quick. He skates very quick. He makes plays. He, he can play make and he can shoot. Um, so that that's the kind of type of player I expect out of him. Is the back of his jersey um, always tucked into his hip pad? Because Duchesne's uh, always used to be, end up in his hip pad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, like I I said, don't think that's a- allowed anymore. <laughs> Um, like I said, I, it was kind of a weird season for me. It was like point per game. Um, he helped their power play a lot, but it just wasn't maybe the dominating season that people were hoping for to see before he turned pro. And, and this is the right time. I think everyone thought that he needed to move on, but it's going to be really interesting to see what sort of timeline they envision for him, especially starting in the AHL. Yeah, I mean, he's a classic case of a guy that that spends too much time away from his club team and then tries to enter midstream, and it's it's he's just kept playing catch up. And he did a wonderful job with that. Um, like he single handedly resurrected BC's power play, and that is where most of his points came from. And I know a lot of people kind of grouse about that. He wasn't that effective at five v five, but um, you know it. <clears throat> I think that he had very little to prove. Like he wasn't going to be a Hobie Baker nominee because he missed way too much time. So like there really wasn't a lot for him at stake uh, in in the NCAA, especially with BC flaming out in both their tournaments. So, um, you know, it, it it's it's nice that the Eagles still have some games, and hopefully he can get in sometime this week. Um, but this, you know, what he's embarking on now, as far as a pro career, is kind of what we need to look at to see what he's really going to be. Yeah, I'll be really interested to see, are they going to play him like top center, all situations? Because there's there's going to be a lot of questions of how the Eagles manage this with, um, and then Sampo, which we're going to talk about in a second. Plus, you still have Foodie there. Uh, Cowton Bowers, who apparently, you know, that that's also the big issue. They don't get with, called up, right? With the, is, <laughs> and this is a problem. You leave more <laughs> prospects down there, you have to play them all, right? And and this is it's just a continuing problem with the O'Brien thing that a guy that hasn't even had an NHL contract for a week gets gets in the lineup, then Nuke all of a sudden can't play. They don't think of, hey, the Eagles had their weekend games canceled because the other team had a COVID issue. So they're literally sitting around on the couch doing nothing. It would be the perfect chance to just say, hey, come up and play a game. Nope. They pick Sherwood instead. 
it's so it's just the continuation of this kicking the can down the road counts on everything that you've asked him to do both on and off the ice he has experience he has age he has the production down there it was an opportunity he didn't even have an AHL game to play there's no expansion draft there's no ELC considerations like all the excuses are off the table at this point so and he's not eligible for the expansion draft, right? No, no, he is not. <laughs> <laughs> so the only excuse remaining is they don't want to play him. Right. They don't want to play yeah. him. So there you go. Yeah. There's Yeah. Don't there's no so, there's no tea leaves to read here. They don't want to play him. They don't want to play him. Right. And so you leave him down there and you have prospects coming. They're gonna need minutes too. And I know that everyone wants to have like this fantasy where you have all the six prospects on the top two lines and it's fantastic. It, it doesn't work like that. So no. probably nowhere in the AHL does it work like that. Well, it's <clears throat> they, never, they like gonna... having at least one vet on every kid line. <laughs> hey, if we were even at that point, I would take it like, right. The AHL isn't prospect fantasy land at all, but certain organizations invest in it a lot more than others. But with they pretty much said the AHL is not even going to have fake divisional playoff. So there's 18 games left. There's nothing to play for. All the vets are on the Avs taxi squad. Are, are we just, are we finally going to do it? Are we going to play the kids or are we going to pick and choose and only decide to give like two guys minutes and everyone else is on the fourth line. So we'll see, but they're making an investment in, I mean, new hook is their top prospect. They've made an investment in him. They've made an investment in Sambo, who we're going to talk about. Like, they've burned both of their first years. They gave him good ELCs with big bonus money, which the fun caveat to that is you have to be in the NHL to earn bonus money. <laughs> so, so the Avs should just give it out like candy because it doesn't matter. But um, you're going to have to play these guys. And then you also have the guys that you allegedly have been developing for two years and three years in Cout's case and Timmons as well. And foodie. So he's still a refugee from the OHL. It's like third on the team in scoring. Does he still get a spot in the lineup or is he going to have to take a backseat? All I know is that it's, it isn't what you were trying to say or even really what you did say, but I'm got this mental image now of, of 10, 10 forwards on the fourth line. And it's hilarious. If they could do it, they would. They would love that. So the the other name we keep mentioning is Sampo Ranta. His his NCAA season in Minnesota is done, so he signed his own entry level deal on Saturday. This is a player I'm really excited for because everyone gets to call him Rambo Santa, and there's nothing he can do about it. Uh, this is an Avs third round pick, so if you assumed he was doomed and knew nothing about him, that's very fair. So tell the people what kind of player Rambo Santa is, and I didn't even mean to, to say it that time, it just came out. And, <laughs> and what he put that's together okay. in his fit. NCAA career. It fits He's big, strong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big, fast power forward. He's a great skater. He's a great athlete. Like, he... He was uh, doing like bodybuilding lifts. Like he's beyond just like hockey good athlete. He's like, you know, like bodybuilder level, what he can do physically and athletically. And he has a great shot. He scores goals. Um, he, he does what he does well. You just hope he's good enough defensively, good enough structurally to get by. And I think he's gotten better every year in college. But it was definitely time to 
move on. And considering the ELC they gave him, he he had leverage. He had options because they burned a year to get a third rounder signed that counts as one of their contracts this year, first of all. And they gave him the same bonus money they gave Cout, who, uh, as we know, was the 16th overall pick. If there's any slotting in in NHL contracts, it's the performance bonus money. You can pretty much go down the line and see that it decreases from first overall in sequential order. So when you're giving a third-round pick a bonus money that a mid-first-rounder got, that's pretty much what they think of him. Yeah. I, it, the, this kid's going to be... I, I I don't know what he's going to end up being, but he's going to be fun to watch, especially at first. Because I know Ben is going to have a field day with him, because it's like... He's they basically, have to be all in, though. They have, they have to be willing to, to go well, just, for it, the the things that that Sampo still struggles with after three years of college are the things that Cronin is actually very good at teaching. So it's going to be like, what are look, just forget playing like defense. defense and structure. Okay. Yeah. So Cronin's just going to be like, forget everything you were told about defense and structure in college, and we're just going to relearn you right here. And. Which you know, I do it, feel like the NCAA is good for helping defense because let's be honest, Newhook started with zero defense in the NCAA, yeah. and he's gotten better too. But these he two are not has. your these two are not your well rounded, you know, two way guys that you hear blah 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 about. They're just such, such great character guys, guys that you want to have to make your team better. All that bullshit. No, these guys are real offensive talent and it's going to be interesting to see what the abs want to do with them like are they going to be given real roles in the ahl are they going to be thought of as potential call-ups because they have valid nhl contracts this year so down the line (laughs) i know i know right like hilarious but you you know i think it was interesting when when cronin was talking about foodie um, and, and he was, you know, he was really stressing with Foodie, like, I, I, like he's very obviously offensively gifted. And Cronin was like, you know, we really instilled in him, like, your offense is going to come off your defense. Your play in the defensive zone and in the neutral zone is how you're going to create offense in the AHL and the NHL. And it's like, the better you get at that, the better your offensive numbers will be. And he even and improved, right? Like an eighteen-year-old, he definitely has NHL improved his defense. Exactly, so. and that's you know, and and thinking back to like what we thought of, um, Foodie, you know, around the draft and and you know before he came to the AHL. I mean, it's like you're thinking, you know, he sort of he likes to skate around with the puck a lot, and you know he. <clears throat> You know he isn't the strongest defensively, and it's you know they they've really made some inroads into that with with an eighteen year old kid. So you know the very things that that Newhook and and especially Ranta need, um, they seem to have dialed in down there because they don't have any offensive coaches. They're all defensive coaches. You got Brett Clark, defenseman, Schneekloth, defenseman, Cronin, PK, defenseman. So um, that's what you learn down there. I guess and... then the question is what what are the expectations because these guys are on their own to 
to score offense. Like Cowd is on his own to make any sort of production or else he's screwed. Like, well, it, uh, the and thing I is, def- is like until you're trusted defensively, they won't play you. Um, <laughs> well, and they won't play you afterwards that. either, but that's, that's a, it's just a separate issue. <laughs> um, but, but to, to get, you know, to, to move forward, you need to have the, the trust defensively. And, you know, that's exactly what the game plan is for these prospects. I, I'm fully confident. Which I think is... this is like the perfect opportunity. I love that they can play 18 games at the end of the the season they already had. Like that's the perfect time to get AHL seasoning. Like you're not committing to a full year of getting buried and forgotten about. This is this is like your finishing school. This is where you're going to learn. And so well, I'm both glad these guys are NCAA guys, so they've never been to training camp. So it's like this is you know they really need this time so they can go into training camp next September, um, and just have a leg up on you know what they need to know know going into that. Have a little Which bit is... of know how on what pro hockey is. Yeah. Well, and get to know the staff and the players and whatnot as well. Because, again, it's like they've only been there for, I'm trying to think, like they've only been there for, what, one or two? I think only Sampo's one. Prob- one re- I think Newhook's been to one rookie camp and Sampo's been there for two, I think. Yeah, I think that sounds right. <laughs> yeah, so it's like they, you know, it's like they, they haven't met the team or the players or anything like that. So there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff they can learn over the next few months that's going to help them a lot in September. So just to go back to my question about expectation, like part of it, I want to see how their usage and and something that a lot of people need to keep in mind is the AHL does not play five on five that much. So if you're not on a special teams unit, if you're not thought of as like the four on four or, or whatever, then you just don't see the ice a whole lot. So that's something I'm going to be looking for is where they are in the lineup and their usage. So that is going to, factor into my expectations but just in general like do these guys need to light it up do they need to be like point per game which is like almost impossible on that team but how much production do you need to see because as as much as we understand that there's a lot more to life in the ahl it really doesn't matter it's it's all about your points let's be honest so how many i I look at i look at shot generation more um because it for a team that doesn't score much but does shoot a lot that tends to be something that that you can look at more <clears throat> um you know i want to see them like if they're getting like less than one shot per game that's not a good sign at all you know it's like you want to see like two <laughs> per game two just the two <laughs> no i I know what you're saying. You want them involved. You want them to have the puck. You want them right to show that they have involvement. But a lot of that also is: Are you on the power play? Do you get to play four and four? Do you get to play in overtime? Do you get to play when the other team has has the the net empty and you get those free points? Like that makes such a difference. It even makes such a difference in what you're talking about the shot generation. Yeah, yeah you can't get I shots wish- if you're not on the ice. <laughs> exactly. Amazing. But I am excited. I'm looking forward to it making the Eagles watchable. If they actually play all like Sampo and Newhook, Cow Foodie and Bowers, and then we still have Timmons, who I think's now been relegated to prospect status again. <laughs> They're all on the ice. That that is a lot <laughs> of 
high-end, you know, prospect talent. Maybe they signed Middleton to get him away from Timmy. (laughs) 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 And so, and I really don't want to do this for very long. Um, because we've, we've been talking about it for a minute, but but my eye with 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 the with Martin Cal, Shane Bowers, and now Alex Newhook, now Sam Poranta, is the is next season because the Avalanche up front might lose Brandon Sod, they will almost definitely lose Matt Calvert, uh, Pierre Edward Belmar, and um, maybe Liam O'Brien. I'm not really sure what the, what the game plan is there. It's been so random and fresh, um, but that's like three to four forward spots that are just open for the taking. Well, for like Cowton Bowers, they need NHL games and I've been saying this forever. And it's, it's how I see what their succession. I would, I don't want to call it a plan because it's not a plan, but you're not thought of in the fall as a real option. If you haven't shown them what you can provide before that, it's the same thing with the playoffs, too. You're not going to just get an injury in the playoffs and be like, oh, okay, now we're finally going to call up Cow. Like, no, you're going to call up whoever has played the most and you know what they can do. That's why it matters. Like, it's it's just silly to me how people can say, oh, it doesn't matter. These guys can just, you know, get their seasoning, blah, blah, blah. But they'll be on the team next year. And to me, that's just hysterical that you can even have that sort of logic process it doesn't work that way because i I just named off four spots that may open up on the current roster that we need to keep in mind that logan o'connor is not on the current roster so now that's down to three maximum spots they haven't signed anybody in ufa yet so that which they will which they will they're not they're never going to go through a whole offseason with nobody. So realistically, nobody. <laughs> realistically, you're talking about one, maybe two. And then with uh, with Newhook and Sampo, it's it's like I said, it's good that they get this this time now, so that they maybe are real options in the fall. So that's Newhook's and by just fall, a really I mean tart. like after 20, 30, 40 games. <laughs> I, Seriously, I don't though, know. I mean, like, it... New Hooks, New Hooks, the one you don't know. You you don't yeah. know what kind of like a timeline they think. It's possible they could think of him as eighteen games in the AHL, and he might be a real option for the roster in the fall. I mean, everyone thinks he's going to be on the roster in the fall. Everyone thinks he's going to be three C in the fall. Yeah, um, I mean, you can't call that. Like Ranta's the guy you just don't know because it's... right. I mean, not only is he just in, inconsistent in general, it's just you just you have no idea what he's going to look like in pros because, you know, it's like at least with BC, they're playing a semi-pro type offense and style. Um, and, you know, Minnesota's in the Big Ten and they're they're better than, you know, some of the older grindier teams. But it's still it's that's not that that's not something you're you're saying like, oh, OK, I can see how this translates to the AHL. But it just the point is they need to have a real plan for all these guys, even though they come from different situations. Like, that's why it matters. I know that there's some, like, the team is so good. You know, why would you even complain? Well, it used to be, like, you know, every game is so important. They, they just can't afford it. Now it's like, <laughs> and, well, the and team's before so that, good, like It was the team is so bad. Why would you want them to be a part of that? <laughs> that too, right. It, it no, does not matter the awesome. situation. Folks are, are looking for justifications. 
it's like it's always about confidence too like you don't want him to lose confidence being on a bad team then you don't want him to lose confidence by him being the reason why he didn't make the playoffs now it's you don't want him to lose confidence because he's producing in the AHL you know there's always <laughs> an excuse and you know, I hope it doesn't matter I hope they win the cup with Keaton Middleton playing on the blue line but that'd be funny you know until the they the cup winning goal <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> Until they, I I still believe they're leaving upside and value and and depth and asset value on the table by not using these guys. And it, Newhook and Ranta are also guys that they're going to have to figure out how to use um, moving forward. So it, it's all part of the same the same process. And you know, I'm keeping an open mind to see how they're going to manage all guys in the AHL but then what comes after that is you need to have a plan to use them in the NHL so we'll see let's bring our eyes back to the NHL before we get the heck out of here um stars and scratches are still on the table for for this week's slate of games um we've already uh, spent a good amount of time talking up a couple of guys so I don't really think there's going to be a whole lot of surprises on the stars section and the scratches part is going to be difficult so let's get into it um i will go ahead and throw my obvious star at uh at kale mccarr for his single-handedly well i guess you know you don't you didn't single-handedly win the game but it's scoring the game winning goal and then also being just really freaking good the rest of the week too <laughs> we already talked he's about always, it he's always a star Kale's always a star, but it was a good week for him. Yeah, definitely. He didn't take over My... quite enough to call it a Kale McCarr episode, but we're heading that direction. <laughs> um, I think he's got better. I think he's he'll he'll really have a week. I think. Yeah. That that was just an okay week for him. <laughs> it was fine. Right. It was fine. Yeah. Um, my star is going to be the obvious one, and that's Gabriel Landeskog. Um, he quietly has been. I see what you did there. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's been really good. He had a really good month of May of March, and I don't have it in front of me, but I, I you know, it, it was obviously way more than a point per game. He scored and, LOL like points in March. Pretty I think much. it was 24. Was it 24? It's something that like that. That sounds crazy. Whole bunch. But... Yeah. Whole, whole bunch. But, I mean, he had, you know, he had three goals and four assists this week in four games. You know, that's good. Um, <clears throat> so. Or, geez. as Yoda Stonsquid calls it, Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but it's just yeah, and and like Jackie said, it's it's been quietly, you know, obviously like people notice, oh boy, Nate started scoring goals and McCarr's amazing and you know, Donnie scored a hat trick in five seconds and things like that. But it's like, you know, Gabe's been really consistent over the past month and it, it you know, it's it's been really important. <clears throat> I feel like the top line had a good week and last week it it was the others that were carrying the scoring, which is good. You need a good team needs everybody to step up but this was definitely more their week for the whole top line i think all right yeah. so what, what you've done now earl is you have forced jackie to decide between <laughs> nathan mckinnon who scored three goals in two games against st louis and <laughs> sam gerard <laughs> who is sam gerard See, i'm not i'm not gonna pick either of them 
I'm picking Nuke. I know it probably really? should be Donnie for the hat trick, but you know he didn't score last game, so I mean he's, he's just not <laughs> so magic anymore. Apparently. It didn't. It wasn't I yesterday, so he's a bum now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think Nuke. I think when he was out that game, you saw how much they missed him. Like he, and in that St. Louis, the obviously the last night game because he didn't play the first one. Like they had nothing going until he got out there halfway through the first period and start doing his thing and forechecking and using his speed and everything and kind of brought the team back into the game. And then I I think he did have points earlier in this week in the Ducks game. If I'm remembering correctly. So probably. he probably assisted on a whole bunch of John Squiggles. Don Squiggles. Yeah, I mean he had a he had three points this week in three games, so woohoo. That's a good number. So yeah, to, it, it it is amazing get... how the bottom six kind of collapsed without him, though. It's like you got Comfer back on the frat line. <laughs> yeah, and that's terrible. That's trouble. Doesn't work. Uh, has never worked. Will never work. Stop it. Yeah, and then you got Belly with two guys that you know are, are very early in their experience level. Um, let's say, and you know that that wasn't a that wasn't a great look for the team. Um. And it's you know that's why it's nice that that Gabe and Nate and Miko were still happening. Um, so yeah, when you get a week like that out of Nuke, where he's producing and pretty much making the bottom six work, I think that's star worthy. Yeah, sounds good. I mean, that, it, it, that relegates uh, McKinnon and Ranson to share an honorable mention, which is a tough crowd. Well, and Don Donnie needs one too. Sure. Yeah, hat trick's pretty special. Especially an yeah. eight-minute hat trick. Yeah. <laughs> and all three of those goals were totally different goals that were all Jonas Donskoy goals somehow. Yeah. He, and I think he, he has almost the one, had one. He, or he, he bangs in the garbage, so that's cool. And then he takes advantage of a way out-of-position goaltender, so that's cool. And then he just snipes. <laughs> and you're like, okay, that was Jonas Donskoy, I guess. But he does that every once in a while. He just... It just scores that goal sometimes. It was, yeah. It was eight minutes was, of here's who this player is. It was fun. And I think right before that was like the first shot of the game where he did like the spin around, threw it behind him, and it like almost went in, it like hit the post and went the other direction. I think that was the same game he got the hat trick too. It was like, okay, you're just this destiny there, Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> he showed up to play, did you? <laughs> Who in a in a in a week that had four games that the Avalanche won all of in regulation? Who are we scratching? I think you got to start with Sod. Um, you know, so we kind of mentioned that the the second line has been sort of tailing off towards you know starting at the middle of last month. Um, <clears throat> but it's just you know he's had some he's had some games where he's been struggling, and I, I guess Evan mentioned that he might be hurt in some way um and then so, a- after that mention he did take a bb off the top of the kneecap yeah so he's you know it, maybe that's limiting his effectiveness and you know he did have one nice goal so it wasn't a terrible week or whatever but it's just you know the second line is still a little bit iffy and and he's <clears throat> he's been real iffy um and i forget which game it was but he had a great giveaway in front of the avs net for a wonderful goal against, um, you know, he's just been a little bit late to pucks and stuff like that. And again, if this is like a, an injury thing, then sorry, bud, but, um, 
you know, just this is tough looking that great. <laughs> maybe 10 of them are dealing with something. It's right. It's hard to look for that free pass because you also think Sam hasn't been quite as crisp as he is with the puck. Is it because he's getting worn out to death or is it because he has some sort of mine or something or that you just you just don't know? Yeah. No, because I mean, sod, I mean, it's like the the first two weeks of March, like that whole line was fantastic. And then sod was really good, but it just, they've been tailing off a little bit. And now it's like this week was real, not, not so good for that line at all. I will follow with that theme and, and give mine to Andre Barakovsky, who is a player who definitely go, goes in streaks and the current streak is not a good one. No. I don't even know. Yeah. It's, it's like, you only notice Burakovsky's a guy that you only know good or really good or really bad happening. Yeah. But he's been so risky with the puck lately that it's just it's pissing me off. <laughs> I still get more frustrated by Kadri personally, but um I don't disagree either that the line has not had a good little stretch yeah. here. Like Kadri's theatrics make everything sort of amplified. So <laughs> if you're not feeling great about him, you're not going to feel very good about him at all. <laughs> he is somebody you're always noticing, and it could be either good yeah. or bad. It's going to be good more often if he finds, you know, where the cage is and hits it instead of around it or over it. I know he he is like the epitome of why he's making like five million dollars and not nine million dollars because if he buried all those chances he'd be a nine million dollar player. Right, it's not. all there. The, everything is there except for <laughs> putting the puck within the confines of the the net thing. <laughs> yeah, no, because he's consistently one of the best shot generators and quality generators. So it's just not on target. Know, it's not in the net. <clears throat> is that who your All scratch right. goes to or are we going to go a different direction I I think that'd be a little too easy which I don't like picking on low hanging fruit because it seems obvious but I think McDonald even though he's is better than I expected I know I called him an AHLer when he was in at the beginning and he's he's earned his spot on the team like O'Connor but it hasn't been a good week for him and I think other people would agree with that that some of the cracks are starting to show and maybe he does need to get away from Renouf and that might help. Maybe yeah, they all need Byron back. Help. Just makes everyone's life a little bit easier. So hopefully that happens this week, but yeah. I don't think he's been as sharp as he was a few weeks ago, even. And maybe this that. was just a test putting him with Renouf enough. This Renouf enough. Um, <laughs> You know, to see whether, you know, he could carry a third pair. Um, I don't the think is not, so. Not with Dan no. Renoff. <laughs> it's just like Graves can't carry a pair either. I, like, he is, Graves is not a minder. He's not the de defensive conscious. It, he's, McDonald sort of is in the same, maybe, ability ceiling as Graves. They are a, a bit different. But yeah, you like can McDonald get any... can recover, whereas Graves Ma just stands there and watch people vapor trail down the ice. <laughs> yeah, Ma Ma McDonald can skate. Yeah. But someone posts I... on the Discord that yeah. if you had to pick between McDonald and Graves, who would it be? And everyone was just like, McDonald can skate. 
I, you know, <laughs> that isn't actually, that's probably a really interesting a conversation. I think Graves is smarter, though. I, de- I definitely think McDonald and his YOLO. No, wait, McDonald went to Cornell. <laughs> <laughs> Where did Ryan Graves go? <laughs> Graves played in the queue and then went to the Ranger system. Uh, see, Graves played hockey, not school. Yeah. <laughs> but Bednar even said when Chambers tried to say, well, at McDonald's so smart because he went to Cornell. Bednar even said book smart is not the same as hockey smart. So there you have it. <laughs> um, that's an interesting, just because, well, Graves also has the experience. So he is a bit more polished. He understands structure. It'd be an interesting comparison if you had McDonald with the same NHL experience that Graves does, which one's better. But that's an interesting thought exercise because I think both of them are NHL quality, but they certainly can't carry a pair. Yeah, yeah and McDonald it's going to be interesting when had... Bo comes back, like what they do. Like, obviously, we don't want to see Graves with Makar a lot like we've been seeing lately. That's... You know, they I mean, just it was blend. fun just for old times to see Kale pass it over to Ryan and <laughs> have him just wail away five feet over the net and stuff like that. But he's got a long uh, way to go to get to that plus forty mark again. Exactly. So, you know, well, they've just been blending it so much to begin with. Like, I don't even yeah, know but, if we could even discuss. Okay, but think back point. to when the last time Byron was in the lineup, they actually rolled. Three Byram pairs. Byram and McDonald were together, together more consistently than, um, than yeah, than when he's out. Then they just totally yolo it, which is interesting. I don't mind the thought. Or no, no, no. It wasn't Byram and Graves. It, McDonald was more with Sam. That's what it was. Yeah. And I don't mind the thought of more of a set third pair of Graves and Byram. That's right. Um, yeah, because. It, it think, seemed like when when Byron was in the lineup at the at the last time <clears throat> that they were comfortable just keeping pairs, and it's like it, it was something that they hadn't done much during the season. It was so, a little bit more calmed down too. Like yeah. I, I do think, even though they all know that they can all play with each other, that a little bit of consistency helps too. Yeah. So I, I do just kind of want to make a mention that McDonald. There's there's these you know nice. Images of heat maps going around the internet all the time, and McDonald's's are weirdly, really, really good. I mean, really, yeah. really good. And I mean weirdly, because that makes no sense. I think he's put out in favorable situations, and and also that he's not carrying a pairing, that he's always out with either, like, Sam or Taze or whoever. I have to see his most common um, pair, but He's also out with a lot of good players in good situations. Well, I mean, it's hard He's... not to be out with a good player on the Avs, so... <laughs> or in a good <laughs> situation. Too. Right. Yeah, that too. He's held his own. Like, I'm not trying to not give him credit. And I think it's also fair to say he didn't have the best week, but... Yeah, and no, I'm not trying to disagree I'm... with that at all. I'm not also... I'm not complaining about him. Like, no. it's it's fine that he's found a home. It's just kind of like a... And in addition to the hypothetical Graves versus McDonald conversation, which will not happen because Ryan Graves got a three-year contract. Pretty much. Coming up this week, the homestand is done. It's time for a bunch of road games. Colorado play ten. A whole bunch. Ten road games in April, four more in May. So get ready for a bunch more St. Louis. 
and a bunch of San Jose. But first, we're going to head north and finish the season series against the Minnesota Wild. That's six and seven mountain starts on Monday and Wednesday, regional stations. And the schedule says both those games are available on ESPN+. Plus. Neat. Colorado kicked the shit out of the Wild last chance they got, but that team's been on, a, on fire otherwise, so do not sleep on these games. We get an ultra-painful 8 o'clock mountain start on Friday, as Colorado head to California, to finish their ultra-painful series against the ultra-painful Anaheim Ducks. The deep hurting uh, for that one will be on Altitude 2, the Ocho. Next week's episode is looking like a Saturday show, since the second Anaheim game is kind of awkwardly in the middle of Sunday afternoon. So, what were you going to say about Minnesota, which I very rudely deleted from the show? No, it's okay, but... um... Like Minnesota had been on fire going into those games, and they were on fire after those games, but obviously not on fire during the two games that we smoked them. And I think that's interesting. Um, and yeah, we should not sleep on them at all. But um, you know, it's like for a team that was playing great, they came in and just laid an egg in just those two games. They also so, took maybe- three out of four against Vegas over the weekend. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes a team that's playing awesome just lays an egg. But we've also seen a pretty good Avalanche team, which is what I would kind of describe Minnesota this season, a pretty good Minnesota team, facing a really good St. Louis Blues team that is just an absolute stylistic mismatch disaster for them. And I I wonder if Colorado might be that for Minnesota this year. Yeah. It will be interesting because I do expect Minnesota's going to bring a better effort. Like, the Avs certainly deserve those beatdowns, but it's just when it's so lopsided like that for for two games, you know that this team's going to come out pretty pissed off about it. Um, yeah. But what I like about the Avs is that they can play poorly, they can play through adversity, and they've still been able to find a way to win. So I yeah, kind of expect some of that. <laughs> they always get points. You kind of feel like they're – I don't know. I feel like – always feel like okay well they're due they're due for a dumb one like every team has a dumb one and we've seen a few this team is not immune to stupidity you can't get a point in every single game but that's what they've done since march 2nd i guess technically march 3rd march 2nd is kind of cooking the books um because there wasn't a game that day but uh since since (laughs) since march 3rd they haven't missed a they have they've had one game that they didn't get didn't get a point in, which was the magic bullshit game. Like you you, you yeah, can't so continue can the stretch have, forever. So they can even no. have their dumb ones where they were. Well, they could. In a four down <laughs> hole, four down four nothing against Anaheim, they still win the game. They also at least got the game the stupid game in Arizona to a shootout. So yeah, they they've had their dumb moments and then they're still winning or getting points, which is kind of crazy. I mean. For as much as I've been skeptical, I'm cynical, etc., I do want to take like a second to appreciate that this team is really freaking good. And I yeah. recognize that. But that also doesn't mean you're guaranteed a cup. So just keep it rolling. They, they have um, demonstrated that they can beat the pants off the West, which is awesome, but we still have to watch it for another month. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so yeah, I just I expect pushback against Minnesota, but um, we've played them well the whole season. It's gonna and come then down Anaheim, to what Capri Sun does, right? Like Capri Sun has scored a bunch of points, but not against Colorado. Yeah, no. I think they have him solved. 
I don't think he's just going to randomly go off, even though, you know, not possible. But um, I guess I expect another, well, since we're only talking three games, because that second Anaheim game doesn't count. You always just hope two out of three, keep it going. Seems like this team can, can get a point out of any game. So you hope if they have a stupid one that they can take it to overtime. But I don't know. Maybe they're due. Maybe one in Minnesota, but as long as they just generally keep it rolling, this regular season doesn't matter a whole lot. Just, just don't don't really drop too much. Doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, I think if you roll out of Minnesota with a split, you're happy. Uh, you know, it, it, it as much as that would mean the the streak is over and all that. It, you know, I think going into Minnesota after what the Avs did to them in Denver. And coming out with with two points, you'd be fine with that. And they'll beat Anaheim because Anaheim sucks. Those games have all been more difficult than they've needed to be, but you just feel like Anaheim knows that the deadline's coming. They're selling. Just it's time to pack it in. Who's buying from Anaheim though? <laughs> that's a rough situation. That's that's gonna be like when when we all hated the Avs for not trading Jan Hada. It's just like. Who's trading for players off this bad team? There there will be. Let's just hope the Avs aren't one of the buyers. So, I guess I'll, I'll save my deadline rants for next week. You've yeah, all been spared. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, the title for next season, next week is going to be No Rentals. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the name can of I next add, week's show. Can I add another word? No. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe we're explicit tagged in Apple Podcasts, but I still don't really want to stick it in the title of the show. Um, so I'm going to predict five points this week in just about the most cursed way possible, okay? So they're going to go to Minnesota, and they're going to win both games because that's a stylistic mismatch. And then they're going to go play that super late game in Anaheim, and it's going to go to a super late overtime that goes to a super late shutout. Shootout. Shootout. Not oh. shutout. That's that's what I'm predicting. And we're all going to wish for the sweet release of death, but the game will finally end first, and we'll be okay. I think I'm going to go for a split between you two. I, I agree with Earl. I think they're going to drop one in Minnesota, and everyone's going to be super frustrated. But big picture, they didn't lose any ground to Minnesota, so it's whatever. And then they go to Anaheim, one of those really dumb, weird, lame stupid games and end up in overtime against them, but win in overtime. And that'll be the week. Whether they win or lose the extremely cursed destined to happen overtime game in Anaheim, because it's a 10 o'clock Eastern start, you know, it's going to overtime. It's that's just the rules. I don't make them. I just notice them, but whether they win or lose, what day that, is that? That's, it's a, it's that's a Friday's game. Yeah, it's a Friday. So it's not as cursed Jeez. as it could be. Like it's not a Tuesday. Um, that's Earl going, geez, because he's realized he might have to watch that game. Um, <laughs> so whether, when I am hockey, whether they win or lose that overtime, you can might find have to get out. An eight bowl of crank for that one. <laughs> you, you can find out here. Um, I've I've got a whole bunch of dog sounds to remove from this podcast, so I'm not gonna drag out the outro. We will get back to you Saturday of next week.
I'm not like dying to talk about. No, because I'm dying to talk about New Look and Sampo. <laughs> I seriously feel like though everybody oh, else. Guy, hey, check this out. I came up with a nickname for Sampo, and tell me what you think, <laughs> Santa. <laughs> What, is Damn. that good or what? Oh my god! <laughs> I've literally never heard that in my life. That's so good. He he is on such a roll. It is unbelievable. Like you know, in, seriously. Per- in retrospect, uh, it seems like such an obvious nickname that I can't believe no one thought of it before you. Yeah. <laughs> but um, and so, McGay so, was doing the same thing too, and it's just like well, well, hello. Bef- well, bef- before we move move on any further with this particular bit, um, do you know anything about this player? No, not at all. Not. I'll at give all. you fifty bucks if you know something. 